You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So many a time, I will make a reference to this thing I did where I show how many top people get drafted at what round for what position or, or whatever. And But I always end it with, but I don't have that in front of me, so I don't know. I You know, whatever. I have since gotten a bunch of questions and also had one uh, in particular, and I know not everybody listens every day, and not everybody's listening has been listening for years. But it is kind of funny because I always think like, well, I got to stop talking about that because everyone's tired of hearing about it. But then I get questions like, dude, you should talk about this sometime. And it's like, are you serious? I I did an entire show on it, and I make reference to it once every other day. But I guess it's good because if I repeat myself, nobody notices. So it's good for me. But first, let me try to explain what I'm talking about a little bit better. What I did is I tried to quantify, just, and this is just based on 2019, so this isn't concrete. You know, Maybe one of these days I'll do 2018, and after 2020 I'll do 2020, and then you get a little bit of a better picture. Some of these things might be anomalies just based on where we were at in 2019. However, I looked at the number one overall, the top five, the top ten, the top 20, and the top 32 for each and every position in the NFL, and I said, okay, where were they drafted to get an idea of where you got a draft if you want to get the best of the best, if you want to get a starter, if you want to get an elite, if you want to do that, just to give me a visual picture based on position of where all that stuff is at. And then I also just looked at first round picks and said, how many first round picks are in each of these positions? So how many top five running backs were first round picks? Well, I can see that information right here. It's two. How many top 20 edge rushers were taken in the first round 15 of 20 right so again you get a good picture of who to take when and where and how and all that stuff now i'm not going to do the whole same episode all over again however i did get asked a specific question that i want to address and also i thought why don't we look at more specifically our draft class based on this information to get a better idea and i've kind of touched on it a little bit but a little bit of a better idea of the likelihood of these guys becoming much of anything. Now, the one thing that this doesn't do, and if I had infinite amounts of time, this is the kind of information I'd rather look at, but it also doesn't ask the question, well, how many guys were taken in that round? So, for example, only three of the top 32 linebackers in the NFL are first-round picks. What that doesn't ask or answer is, of all the linebackers drafted, how many were drafted in the first round? Then you compare the percentages. Well, 15% of all linebackers are drafted in the first round. 10% are in the top 32. That gives you a better picture when you compare that. But I didn't do that. But either way, it gives you that picture. But again, all information is good as long as you know what it's saying and what it's not saying. There's no bad information, just bad interpretation. It's like I've said in the past, people say stats lie. Stats don't lie. There's never been a stat that's lied. A stat is just a stat. It's just a number. It's just sitting there. There are a lot of people who are dishonest and a good handful of people that are dumb and don't know what to do with it and don't know how to use it. But saying stats lie is like saying hammers are terrible screwdrivers. Well, okay. There's nothing wrong with hammers. Hammers can do their job just fine. You're just dumb. (laughs) You don't turn on your TV with a hammer. That's sort of your problem. Hammers lie, man. I tried to turn on my TV. Didn't even work. In fact, TV got worse. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So that's the goal. I did want to say thank you to, and I, I don't do a good enough job of this. There are quite a few people that want to give on Venmo as opposed to Patreon, and I usually forget them. But I especially want to make sure I say thank you to uh, Rick and Ryan, uh, who had given this month already. Rick went well above and beyond. So thank you guys both very much for your support. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. Again, if you'd like to support the show, there are links in the description. 
You can support on Patreon for as little as a buck a month. You can also leave a five-star iTunes review, tell a friend about it, share the show with other Packer fans, whatever. Whatever you can do, greatly appreciated. What else? Is there anything else? Not entirely sure why I'm asking you, but is there? Anyone? Raise your hand, please. We're not animals. Nothing? All right, then let's take a break, and we'll start talking about the thing that I... I gotta come up with a name for this, because I, I don't need... I didn't even know how to save the Excel file. I wrote this long, lengthy thing so that I would know what it meant, and I still couldn't even find it when I was trying to look for it yesterday. Like, what did, what did I call it? It was like draft round position ranking thing. Ridiculous. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So this was all prompted as a Patreon question from Austin. This is from quite a while ago, so I apologize for the delay, but I'm, you know, it's pretty backed up. He says, I was thinking about the amount of 5th through 7th round draft picks that become good starters. He says, I know we have three offensive linemen uh, that were taken late in the draft, and I'm curious on how many late round draft picks work out, how many linemen work out. Just spitball and let me know. Luckily for you, Austin, I've done an entire episode on this. And again, I don't want to exactly go through this whole thing again. The way that I tend to rant and ramble and go on diatribes, there's probably not very many pieces of information on this sheet that I'm not going to talk about. So we probably are just going to go through the whole thing again. But I'm going to try to stay focused on your question and our draft picks. And hopefully I'll leave some information out so that we're not just doing the same episode all over again. But it's good information. I like it, man. I think it's kind of cool. And again, it'll be interesting to compare and contrast. I probably should work on 2018 just to get some information and see what the differences are. But anyways, let's start with this particular question. Uh, First of all, fifth through seventh round. So we'll start with offensive line, but I do want to look at late round because especially that that's something I've been saying a lot. And if you've been hearing me say that and you think I'm just making it up and you didn't hear this one episode I'm referring to, then this will be um, sort of the concrete evidence. Now, again, I am using pro football focus. If you have a better reference, let me know. If you have a better way to look at the uh, number one overall, top five, top 10, top 20, top 32 at every single position, not using pro football focus, I'd love to know what reference you have. That's the best I've got. Plus, I pay a lot of money for it, so I would like to use it. Thank you very much. But we'll start with offensive line because that was, again, sort of the central part of what you had said. And I want to start with the interior of the interior, uh, which is centers, because center is one of the most it-doesn't-matter positions of any position. There are only a handful that it, it pretty legitimately doesn't matter when you take them, and center is one of them. So the direct question was fifth through seventh round picks. First of all, number one overall center in the NFL. And again, PFF has a nasty habit of adjusting their grades and changing things, so this may not be exactly the same anymore, which is why it's important for me to remember to not be super definitive on all these things, roughly the best in the NFL, but it is still the same, and I doubt it's anyone that anyone, I don't think anyone would disagree that this is a top center, I just think people would be maybe surprised that he was a sixth round pick, and that's Mr. Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey with the Philadelphia Eagles longtime elite center in 2019 was graded as the best center in all of football. He's a sixth round pick. And this is not unusual. This is not just a fluke like David Bakhtiari being a fourth-round pick is absolutely a fluke. This is just a center that a position that doesn't seem to have any correlation to 
it mattering where you take them. If you look at the top five centers in the NFL, there's one second-round pick, one third-round pick, one fourth-round pick, and two sixth-round picks. If we go all the way down to the top 32, six of them are first-round picks, seven are second-round picks, only one is a third-round pick, three are fourth-round picks, four are fifth-round picks, five are sixth-round picks, two seventh-round picks, and four undrafted free agents. That is almost perfectly flat across first-round to undrafted free agency. And again, undrafted free agency is the weird anomaly in this whole group. Because there's a lot more undrafted free agents in the NFL than there are 5th, 6th, and 7th round picks. But again, there's also a lot more undrafted free agents, right? Most teams have 1 or 2 7th round picks, and you're going to have, what, 12 undrafted free agents? So there's kind of that whole situation. So it's a weird category. But I also want to start with that because that's clearly the anomaly. I've said definitively I don't like 6th and 7th rounds. And there's also definitively a drop-off after the first 3 to 4-ish rounds. So it was astute of you Austin to say fifth through seventh because there's no question these are these are the doldrums of the draft now you can't really see it by looking at center but let's continue along the offensive line and move to guard um if we just start with the top 10 overall the top 10 guards in the NFL there are zero fifth round picks zero sixth round picks zero seventh round picks in fact there are zero fourth round picks all of them, with the exception of one drafted free agent, was taken in the first three rounds for guard, a position that we usually say you can get later on. Eh. If we look at the top 20, five of them are first-round picks, five of them are second-round picks, seven of them are third-round picks. So again, you look at it and go, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter in the first three rounds. And there's several positions where you can get them in the first three rounds, but after that, massive drop-off. So five, five, seven, and then... One in the fourth, zero in the fifth, zero in the sixth, zero in the seventh, two two undrafted free agents. Top 32. Now, if you figured guard, there's two on each team, so relatively a starter would be top 64. But let's say to be a a top guard, right? Every everybody's best guard. You every team should have a top 32 guard on their roster. If you don't, then you your guards are garbage. Top 32. There's 32 teams in the NFL. For anyone that couldn't figure out why I use that number or metric, whatever. Of the top 32, eight first-round picks, six second-round picks, nine third-round picks, two fourth-round picks, one fifth-round pick, zero sixth-round picks, one seventh-round pick, two undrafted free agents. So fifth through seventh. And again, we drafted these guys, three of them in the sixth round. We're assuming that they're all going to be guards, although one of them I think was technically a center, and there's some question about Lindsley. So maybe we could look at him as a center and say maybe someday he takes over and he might be good because centers could possibly be good, whatever. But in terms of what are the odds of any of these guys becoming good guards, if any one of these becomes even a top 32 guard in the NFL, they would be the only six-round pick in the top 32 in the entire NFL. That doesn't mean it's impossible. And there is one seventh-round pick in the top 32, as well as two undrafted free agents and a fifth-round pick, so it's close. But almost every single guard that is any good in the NFL was taken in the first three rounds. Again, I don't know if this is an, an anomaly of a year. Maybe some good guards fell off, or I don't know. But this is not what the expected information is. You can get guards later. You can get them in the fourth round. It doesn't matter. Nyeh. Only five of the top 32 were taken after round three. So I don't know that that's necessarily accurate. Then you go to tackle, and tackle is one of only a handful of positions in which if you don't take them in the first round, you're kind of doomed. Um, just off the top, quarterback, tackle, defensive tackle kind of, um, and edge rusher. For the most part, if you want one, you better take them in the first round. So starting off directly with your question, of the top 32 tackles in the NFL, Two of them were taken between rounds five and seven. Two. Thirty were taken elsewhere. Granted, seven of them are undrafted free agents, which again, UDFAs, man, there's something. It's not just that there's a bunch of them. Because if you figure they're worse than seventh round picks, you shouldn't have seven. Because first of all, there aren't seven times as many undrafted free agents as there are fifth through seventh round picks. On average, what do teams get? Four fifth through seventh round picks? Even if we call it three because we're completely going to disregard compensatory picks or anything else. 7 times 3 is 21. Teams don't get 21 undrafted free agents. So again, there's something else about undrafted free agents. 
and I've touched on that a little bit. It could be, you know, certain guys fall because of legal trouble or whatever, especially his tackle. I look specifically at it. Lael Collins, I think, was was one of them, I believe. I might be getting that wrong. But I think he was considered a first-round talent, but because of, I think there was actually a murder that there was some talk possibly he was involved in, so he fell completely out of the draft. I think Dallas picked him up. And then it turns out, like, oh, no, he had nothing to do with it. And it was like, oh, sweet, we got a, got a first-round talent. So stuff like that is part of it. So, that, I mean, things that are beyond talent to where you don't want to touch them, right? Heart conditions, things that legitimately scare you and think this guy may never see a football field. He falls completely out, but the talent is there. Those kinds of things. But anyways, getting back to it, tackles. 15 of the top 32, about 50%, are taken in the first round. Now, tackles are also one of those things where if you don't get them in the first round, you got a little bit of a shot in the second round, and then after that, you're done. Five of the top 32 are in the second round, which is the second highest, not including undrafted free agency. So if we if we just even look at rounds three through seven, there are five out of 32. So, and th- this is another thing that, that kind of bothers me. It seems pretty clear to me what this means. Now, again, I think if we analyze the fact of what percentage are taken, but I don't even think it's a percent. I mean, there's a lot of tackles taken in the in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. But let's just assume there's a higher number of tackles, which, I again, that's not true. Look how many wide receivers get taken, or defensive tackles, or I don't think it's true that there's just, you know, half the first round is offensive tackles. So let's just disregard that until further information becomes available. I think it's pretty obvious to me what this means. I think it means quarterback, tackle, edge rusher are easier to evaluate and I've heard people say you know other podcasters and, and just in general I think it's it's just common knowledge in the NFL so I'm going completely against the grain and if this ever got out I would there would just be a swarm of, of personnel people saying you're wrong which I would still stand on it because it seems blatantly obvious to me these are the easiest positions to scout people say all the time quarterback is the hardest position it's just the hardest to to, to figure out I don't believe you. I think you're you're lying. Well, look how hard it is to get good quarterbacks. Okay. Well, <laughs> if if you draft 30 quarterbacks in the draft and one of them is a good quarterback, does that mean it's hard to to scout them or does that mean not many quarterbacks actually translate to good football players? Think about it. If if there's if there's 3 good linebackers, and they're taking one in the first, one in the third, and one in the seventh. It seems to me like you have no idea what you're doing. They all slipped through the cracks. You all missed it. You had no idea who was going to be a good linebacker. But quarterbacks, if there's three good quarterbacks taken, guess what? They're probably taking one, two, and three. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows who the good quarterbacks are. Everybody knows who's going to turn out to be a good quarterback. Now, a lot of times they don't pan out. But how often do the best quarterbacks fall to the fourth round? Almost never. Ever, ever, ever. Because you're wrong. This is not the hardest position to scout. You're wrong about that. This seems painfully obvious to me, and I don't care how many personnel people say it's it's so hard to evaluate. You're 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 full of it. I understand the hit rate is low, but that's a separate statement than they're hard to scout. The fact of the matter is, I think quarterback, offensive tackle, and edge rusher are the easiest positions to scout. That's why by the time you take them in the second round, there's no good ones left. All the good ones, all the ones that have any prospect of becoming starters are are likely gone by the time the second round rolls around. And by the time we get to the third, fourth, and fifth round, you're wasting your time. And no, it's not because people just don't care. And it's not because all the position, all the, the quarterbacks get taken. I mean, I, I just picked a random draft just to, uh, just to kind of solidify this point, I guess. Here are all the quarterbacks that were drafted in, what is this, 2015. Jameis Winston... Marcus Mariota, Garrett Grayson, Sean Mannion, Bryce Petty, uh, Brett Hundley, and Trevor Simeon. Now, Trevor Simeon did start some games and make some money, but there were two guys that were starters in 2015. Where were they taken? Number one and two. After that, nobody touched a quarterback until third round. And guess what? He wasn't good. If you look at even 2016, you did have one quarterback slip through the cracks, but again, that would be Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott fell all the way to the fourth round. He was taken actually with a compensatory pick in the fourth round, so all the way in the back. So it does happen, but if we look at all the quarterbacks, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch, Christian Hackenberg, Jacoby Brissett, 
which you could say that he's a good quarterback if you want. I don't think that's ever been proven. He's he's kind of terrible. Cody Kessler, Connor Cook, uh, Dak Prescott, Cardale Jones, Kevin Hogan, Nate Sudfield, Jake Ruddick, Brandon Allen, Jeff Driscoll, uh, Brandon Doty. Isn't it amazing? Where, where there were, There's three starters. One of them fell through the cracks, which is extremely rare. The only other two starters were taken number one overall and number two overall, overall, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Pretty much everybody else, again, except that one guy, was garbage. Everybody knows who the good quarterbacks are. Everybody knows who the starters are. Hardest position to scout. What are you talking about? No, it's not at all. Now, let's use this to transition. Let's use this to transition into our draft class and how it lines up. If you want to take a quarterback, where do you got to take him? First round, right? Now, this does not mean you can't read it backwards and say all first-round picks are good quarterbacks. That's absolutely not the case. However, if we had taken a quarterback in the third round and started talking about the prospect of, of this player becoming possibly the replacement for Aaron Rodgers, I would have to laugh. Because like a lot of these positions, offensive tackle, edge rusher, maybe a couple others, to a lesser degree, but quarterback is quarterback is, is, is probably by far the easiest to scout. Let me let me just check on that. Yeah. By far I mean out of so the number one overall quarterback is a first round pick. Um, out of the top five, two of them are first round picks. The other three were taken in the second, third, and fourth rounds. Zero, fifth, sixth, seventh undrafted free agents. Out of the top ten, six of them are first round picks. Out of the top 20, 12 of them are first-round picks. And out of the top 32, 22 are first-round picks. And, and and again, when we talk top 32, we're talking about starters. Now, granted, sometimes you get guys like Mitch Trubisky who somehow don't even manage to make the top 32. He did last year, but he didn't the year before, and I like bringing that up because it's funny. But if we're talking top 32, we, we're literally just saying, can you be a starting quarterback in the NFL? 22 of the top 32 were taken in the first round. Four were taken in the second round. Otherwise, you got one in the third, two in the fourth, zero fifth-round picks, two sixth-round picks, and a seventh-round pick, zero undrafted free agents. If you want to get a quarterback that is going to start for your team, you're taking them in the first round. You maybe have a little bit of a chance in the second round. After that, it's just a complete and utter waste of time. And again, the the, the notion that, well, that's because if you, you know all the quarterbacks get taken in the first round. Not No, they don't. What did I just rattle off in 2016? Did I list like 12 quarterbacks and, and three of them, I think, were first-round picks? I mean, I'm sure it's a higher percentage, but I don't think it's 22 out of 32 percentage. And again, the hit rate? Now, granted, we didn't take Jordan Love number one overall. We took him at the back of the first round. That's a different metric altogether. But still, we took a quarterback in the first round. That's where you get quality quarterbacks. If you look at the other quarterbacks that were taken this year, not in the first round, uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round, you've got Jacob Eason, you've got James Morgan, you've got Jake Fromm, Jake Luton, Cole McDonald, Ben DiNucci, Tom Stevens, Nate Stanley. Lots of quarterbacks taken in just about every round. Now, I don't think any rounds had four quarterbacks, but again, the, the, the point is, the teams know who has the ability to be a starter. Joe Burrow is a starter today. Everybody knows it. Doesn't necessarily mean he's guaranteed to be good, but you look at the percentage of Joe Burrow being a starter compared to um, Jacob Eason being a starter, all 32 teams know the difference. Now, that's not necessarily the case with linebackers, and we'll get to that when we talk about linebackers. Again, this isn't an entirely different thing. The hit rate on quarterbacks in the first round compared to other rounds, it's not even close. It's really not even close. Of course, there are an occasional quarterback that slips through the cracks for whatever reason. I don't know. But again, I, I, I want to dismantle this notion that this is a hard position to scout. That's silly. The starting quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first round almost every time. Anyways, let's move on to our second round pick, which was a running back. We took a running back in the second round, and again, the notion is you can take a running back anywhere and they'll be successful. Kind of, but not really. Essentially, what you have at running back, if we're talking top 32, and again, top 32 is just, can you start? There's also a separate question of, are you going to be any good? But if we just start from, you know, are, are you any good, I guess, top 32, there is a pretty relatively flat line across. However, the way it actually works is, 
the top three rounds, rounds one, two, and three, and then there's a drop-off and then a flat line from four through undrafted free agency. Well, four through seven and then undrafted free agency, again, there's a spike. But the numbers are six first-round picks, six second-round picks, six third-round picks. So in other words, the first three rounds, it kind of doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Just in the top 32. Again, separate discussion above that. Then you go in the fourth round three, fifth round two, sixth round two, seventh round two. So there is a difference between fourth through seventh and first through third. But it is true that you can still get guys. But the, the notion that it doesn't matter is false. Now, if we even go above that, if we look at top 20 running back, then it really means you have to get them in the first two rounds. Five of the top 20 running backs are first-round picks. Five of the top 20 are sixth-round picks. Only one is a third-round pick. Three-fourths, two-fifths, one-sixth, one-seventh, two undrafted free agents. In the top 10, six of them were taken in the first two rounds. No other round, including undrafted free agency, has more than one in the top 10. One fourth-round pick, one fifth-round pick, one seventh-round pick, one undrafted free agent. Three of the top five were taken in the first round, and the number one running back in the NFL is a second-round pick. So no question, if you want a good running back, you got to take him in the first two rounds. I don't think there's really any difference between first and second round. Slight discrepancy, but when the number one overall pick is a, or when the number one running back is a second round pick, I think first and second is indistinguishable. Um, if you really need a running back, you probably need to take him by the third round. After that, you got a shot. It doesn't fall off to zero, but it's not a great shot. Again, top five running backs, only two of them were not taken in the first and second round, and one of them is a fifth round pick, one is an undrafted free agent. And if you're curious, yes, that fifth-round pick is Aaron Jones. The undrafted free agent is Austin Eckler. Then you got McCaffrey, who's a first-round pick. Josh Jacobs, fantastic rookie year, first-round pick. Nick Chubb, second-round pick. Whatever. So, again, and I don't think anyone's really doubting it, although people tend to not really care for A.J. Dillon, and I don't... Well, again, I, I know why. It's because everyone in the draft community said he's not worth a second-round pick. But the fact of the matter is, first of all, again, if we defer to the Packers to make that decision and assume that he is worth a second-round pick, and maybe he's not. Maybe he's a third-round pick and they just didn't want to risk losing him. The fact of the matter is the prospect of him not only being a starting running back but a really quality running back is pretty high compared to other rounds. And so, again, the idea that, well, you don't need to take a running back in the second round. You can get one in the third, fourth, fifth. And if you listen to the conversation I had with Mark Jarvis and he talked about how you can get running backs who have talents, but getting, like, legitimate, starting, all-around, well-rounded running back, guys that can carry X amount of times per game and do all these other things. Some of these other guys are just receiving backs or, or smaller, shiftier type guys. And that may be part of the reason why, after the third round, you're just not getting as much. Because you kind of get to a point where everybody that has all of these attributes that a running back needs to do everything, they, they dry up. If we look at our third-round pick, Josiah DeGuara, Tight ends are almost identical to running backs. First three rounds, and then a drop-off. In fact, the running backs were, in the first three rounds, 6-6-6. Six, six, six. For tight ends, it's 6-7-6. Six, six. And then it drops off to 2-2-3-0-6. Two, two, Again, another spike for undrafted free agency. So tight end and running back are very similar in that regard. The biggest difference, I would say, between tight ends and running backs, and again, this may have to do with very few being taken in, taken in the first round, is the fact that there's, there's no real... It's not like the first two rounds... And then the third round is, is significantly less. That's not true at all. In fact, there are zero top 10 tight ends that were taken in the first round. Zero. The number one tight end in football is a fifth round pick. If we look at the top five, there's one second round pick, two third round picks, a fourth round pick, and a fifth round pick. If you look at the top 10, two second round picks, four third round picks, two fourth round picks, a fifth round pick, and a sixth round pick. If you look at the top 20, five second round picks, five third round picks, two first round picks. And then there's a big spike in the top 32, six, again, six, six first-round picks, seven second-round picks, six third-round picks, and then it drops, two, two, three, zero, six. So again, the biggest complaint with Josiah DeGuara is he shouldn't have been taken in the third round. But again, if he is a third-round talent, there is just as high a probability that he ends up being a quality starter as there were second-round picks and even first-round picks. If you were to read into, in other words, take this information and read into the draft, and someone told me to put money down on tight ends that were going to be successful, and let's say it got more expensive the closer you got to the first overall pick, I would start in the third round. In fact, Josiah DeGuara is probably where I would put my money. 
Actually, that's not true. It would be Dalton Keene. He was taken later than Josiah DeGuara. Because I would go as late in the third round as I could while still taking a third-round pick. Uh, Dalton Keene, Josiah DeGuara, Devin Asiasi. Because the likelihood of them being good football players is as high as Cole Komet, who was taken in the second round. After that, though, again, there's a pretty significant drop-off. So you look at Harrison Bryant, Colby Parkinson, Charlie Werner, whatever. Pretty low likelihood. And again, a big part of the reason I bring this up is because we, we get way too hung up on, it's, it's I think in our mind, first round pick, and then after that it just doesn't matter. Maybe you get a couple guys in the second or third, and then after that it really doesn't matter. You know, there's a couple that slip through the cracks. That's not necessarily the case, especially when you do a position-by-position breakdown. When we do these mock drafts, it's like, man, the first-round pick is the most important, and, and we don't even really care about the second and third because it's like they're probably not going to pan out. And after that, it definitely won't pan out. That's just not the case. Again, with tight ends, not a single top-10 tight end was taken in the first round. Four of them were taken in the third round. That's that's the third round, or the sec- second and third round are kind of the, the money zone for getting a really good tight end in the NFL. You only add in the first if you care about getting decent but not great tight ends. Right, four of the first-round picks that made it are ranked between 21 and 32. Only two of them are in the top 20. Right, So this idea that if you actually care, you're going to take them in the first round. Not really. And, and again, this doesn't mean Josiah DeGuara is guaranteed to be a great tight end. It just means we, we should have a little bit more optimism than we have. Because it's not if you care, take them in the first round or early second. It's if you care, you take them in the first three rounds. And also, and also when you look at value, taking them in the first round is almost kind of a waste. right? If you, if you can get the same results from first, second, and third round, the ideal place to take them would be the third round. And again, especially with, with tight ends, you know, um, arguably the best tight end in football. He wasn't graded out this way last year via PFF, but still elite, is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey was drafted in the third round out of Cincinnati. That's exactly where DeGuara was taken. Granted, it was the first pick of the third round, whereas DeGuara was the end of the third round, but still. Also had Brent Selleck taken in the fifth round in, uh, out of Cincinnati. I mean, it's a good school for tight ends, man. But again, reasons for optimism. Then we didn't get a pick until the fifth round, and we took Kamal Martin. Once again, the issue isn't so much... Well, I guess it is. The, the issue is becoming fifth-round linebackers don't pan out. Um, but also, he's not worth a fifth-round pick. But let's at least address the first part, because I can't do anything about the second part. If you don't think he's worth a fifth round, then he's not worth a fifth round. I don't know. You know, it just that's what it is. I don't disagree with you, so I don't really feel like uh, hammering home that point that we don't know. But let's at least address um, where guys are taken because linebacker is one of the strangest of any position. There is one money round for linebackers, and it's the second round. And again, I don't know if it's just a ton of linebackers get taken in the second round because, I mean, there's, there's a... It's hard to, to figure out a, a way in which this is possible because it's not as though linebackers don't get taken in the first round. You could say that Generally, teams don't like to take linebackers in the first round, and maybe they really start to hit it in the second round. And because linebackers are easy to identify, they're all going in the second round. I don't know, or it could just be a complete fluke. I, you know, again, I, I'm not sure. But basically, linebackers are almost a perfectly flat line. You can get a linebacker anywhere you want. However, almost all of them are taken in the second round. So outside of the second round, it just doesn't matter. So if you're not going to take them in the second round, whenever you want is fine. However, the second most plentiful round for linebackers has been, not by much, but has been the fifth round. Very strange, right? Of the top 32, 11 are second round picks. Only three are first round picks. Three are third, three are fourth, four are fifth, two are sixth, one is seventh, and three are undrafted free agents. Again, it's it really just comes down to second round or whatever. If you look at the top 20, eight of the top 20 are second round picks. One first, two third, one fourth, two fifth, two sixth, two undrafted free agents. Again, almost perfectly flat with second round being miles ahead of everybody. Again, only one first round pick is in the top 20. In the top 10, one first, five seconds, two third, and two undrafted free agents. In the top five, it's one, two, one, and one undrafted free agent. The number one overall linebacker is a second round pick. Again, this is not all exact. PFF is not flawless, not perfect, but it gives you a pretty general idea. If you go through the top 32, I mean, there's not 
all that much debate. Chicago Bear fans would be furious that Roquan isn't top 10, but outside of that, and again, Eric Hendricks was the number one linebacker. I've mentioned that several times, and I don't see him as a top linebacker. He just happened to be last year. And and the other interesting note here is that the first-round pick that the, the one lingering first-round pick that's any quality whatsoever, the, the only top 20 first-round pick, who also is a top five first-round pick, is Luke Keekley, who retired. So at this particular point in time, if we take out Luke Keekley, there are two top 32 linebackers that were taken in the first round compared to 11 in the second round, and not one first-round pick in the top 20. And again, a lot of people would be upset and, and don't agree with PFF's assessment, and that's fine. If you want to go do the homework and watch every single linebacker, every single snap, and come to your own conclusion, that's fine. Again, I saw somebody on Twitter was getting into an argument, and I wanted to jump in, but it's like, you know what, I just I don't have the energy. Uh, somebody was arguing based on, obviously, my uh, podcast about the Chicago Bears with a Bears fan. I think basically tagged him in my episode just to start a fight. And the guy was very angry, but the fact of the matter is his whole thing was, well, stop using PFF. Look, man, if I have to choose between an army of people who have a strict criteria by which they grade every single position equally and watch every single player on every single team through every single snap, I'm going to take their perspective on linebackers before I take your perspective on linebackers when you haven't even watched your own players on every single snap much less compared them to the other linebackers in the NFL. But again, if you just go through this list of guys, we don't even know who these guys are. I mean, we know who Eric Hendricks is, but here's a list of the, just go through the top 10. Eric Hendricks, Demario Davis, Levante David, Alexander Johnson, Luke Keekley, Darius Leonard, Corey Littleton, Bobby Okereke, Deion Jones, Josh Bynes. I mean, obviously, some of these we know more than others, but these are, I mean, it's, it's not like other positions where you go through quarterbacks and it's like, yeah, these are Hall of Fame guys, and these are elite, freakish, blah, 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 blahs. This is like, wait, who? What? Even Corey Littleton, we didn't know until, like, free agency this year. Demario Davis, second-best linebacker in the NFL? Who would ever say that? Luke Keekley was fifth on this list. Behind Alexander Johnson in Denver. Do you know who Alexander Johnson is? Does anybody know who Alexander Johnson is outside of Denver? Number one run-defending linebacker in all of football via PFF. I'm sorry if that offends you. Again, go start your own company, come out with your own 350-page grading criteria, watch every single player on every single snap, and see what you come out with. Maybe I'll come check it out. But anyways, linebacker's weird, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say that I know he's going to be a good football player. I'm just saying that fifth round does not negatively impact his ability to be successful. And I can't necessarily even say that the NFL can't evaluate linebackers because they nail linebackers in the second round. Good linebackers are not going to make it through the second round. For some reason, they don't take him in the first round. And the guys that get taken in the first round, at least in 2019, didn't pan out. And we know who these a lot of these guys are. Guys like Roquan. Again, Bears fans think he's one of the, you know, everybody. And that was the other thing. Everybody in the media would say, I understand that. Media says a lot of stuff I don't think is right. The media is just groupthink, man. They loved Roquan coming out. And if they can perpetuate this idea that Roquan's doing a great job, they're going to keep saying it. And of course, Chicago Bears, the coach is going to say he's doing a great Everybody's going to say he's doing a great job. He's starting, and he does some things well. He looks really fast on tape. Okay, cool. PFF thought he was terrible against the run and terrible in coverage. I don't know what else to, to do with that. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to go back and watch every single one of his snaps. Maybe I'll watch a game. And I'll admit, I, I liked what I saw against the Packers. I did watch the Chicago Bears against the Packers. And it was, it was more or less kind of the, the play style. The Chicago Bears linebackers attack. There's First of all, there's two of them, and they both attack, whereas Blake Martinez kind of hung back and waited. And as he's waiting, a lineman gets up to him and blocks him, and then there's a guy who runs for 14 yards. Doesn't work out great. But the Chicago Bears are much more aggressive, and they go attack, and so there's more meaningful tackles out of that group. But, I, you know, again, I don't want to just go down that road all over again. But you've also got guys like Devin White. And again, I think the general consensus would be Devin, Devin White is scary. He's very, very good. No, I mean, but whatever. He graded out at 79th, 50 overall grade. Again, 50 is below average. Blake Martinez graded out 58th overall. Roquan was 76th. Devin White is 79th. Just to put that into perspective for you. So up to you. If you want to go check that out, go watch them, see what they're doing and not doing. But I, I honestly believe... 
that the reason they went in the first round is because of their traits. And I think when you get into the NFL, you can still see those traits. And so people get really excited about him. Look how fast he is. Look how he ran, you know, sideline to sideline and doing all that kind of stuff. And that's that's cool. And people see that and they're like, dude, he's such a freak. Kind of like Oren. You see Oren Burks, he's really fast. The problem is you don't always see the negative. You don't always see what, what, what happened and why. All right, when there's a big run against the Bears, what do you do as a fan? I mean, against the Packers, against anybody. You go, oh, come on. It's not always an instant replay where you watch every single player and then say, okay, what, who, was, who had this assignment? Who was supposed to do this? Sometimes you can. Sometimes you're just watching a football game and you're just mad at the defense. Come on! You maybe didn't see your linebacker get cut off. You maybe didn't see him run past his gap and, and, and overshoot it and then, you know, the running back came in behind him. And you're thinking he's supposed to seal off the edge and he's really supposed to be controlling that gap. You know, again, I don't know. But what I know is they're paid to ana- analyze what this player is supposed to do and whether or not they did their job. You as a fan are sitting there watching a football game rooting for your team. Same thing I'm doing, same thing everybody else is doing. So I will, again, defer to Pro Football Focus on that. Moving along. We already addressed the sixth round with John Runyon, Jake Hansen, and Simon Stepniak. Now, again, there's there's some question as to what position these guys play. Um, I see pretty officially now, pretty much everywhere I go, they're saying John Runyon and Stepniak are guards. Jake Hansen is a center. I think most people view them all as potential guards. However, again, Jake Hansen, depending on what happened, we, we now technically have two centers, Elton Jenkins and Jake Hansen. And we also have a center that may be possibly departing. So it's, it's, it's possible that Jake Hansen becomes a starting center. Again, looking at centers, it doesn't matter where you take them. Guards, on the other hand, it does tend to matter. Again, I'm not saying that these guys aren't going to be any good, but I, I am sticking by what I said. If they become really good guards, they're the only decent guards that were taken in the sixth round in the entire NFL. Looking now at the seventh round, starting with our safety Vernon Scott out of TCU. Uh, Safety's a little unusual, but mostly just because there's not very many second round guys. But I think safety is very similar to tight end and running back and a lot of other positions where it's first three rounds and then there's a drop off. Um, And then first round is also a pretty solid round for safeties. Nine of the top 32, seven of the top 20, five of the top 10, two of the top five are first-round picks. So similar to other positions, about 50% roughly, maybe a little bit less, of the of the guys at those spots are first-round picks. If you look at the top 32, nine are first-round picks, three are second-round picks, six are third-round picks, and then again, you get your drop-off of two, two, three, two for the fourth through seventh rounds. So again, again with safety, it's... If you want to get them, you got to get them probably in the first round. If not in the first round, get them in the first three rounds. And then after that, it's just kind of whatever. You don't. There's no rush to get them in the fourth round. Now, this, this isn't exactly how it works because they have their boards. And if there's a guy you really like in the fourth round, it's not a matter of, well, it doesn't matter. right? Well, it does matter. Based on your board, if you still see a guy, if you have one safety left that you think could be a really quality guy, you're going to go get him. I'm just saying from our perspective, without a board and without looking at any of this stuff, just analyzing who's probably going to pan out, Outside of the, the first three rounds, it's kind of just a crapshoot. Again, if we're just going to look at the draft and put money down on a guy, I'd probably go with the sixth round just because, you know, again, it's two in the fourth, two in the fifth, three in the sixth, two in the seventh. Yeah, there's a little bit of a spike in the sixth. Let's just roll the dice and say a sixth round pick. It doesn't really matter that much. So it's not a good probability that a seventh round pick becomes a good safety, but it's roughly the same probability as a fourth round pick becoming a good safety. That is to say it's a low probability. So, anyways, very low probability. Any seventh-round pick is going to be a low probability. But I think maybe that's a better way to say it. Anybody after the third round is very low probability. It's it's, it's better than saying a seventh-round pick is is as likely as a fourth-round pick because that makes it sound like there's a good chance. No, it's it's a fourth-round pick has as low of a probability as a seventh-round pick. You know, again, 13 of the top 20 are taken in the first three rounds. After that, it's one-fourth, two-fifths, one-sixth, one-seventh, two undrafted free agents. Right, it's just it's just a roll of the dice after that, and just almost almost no chance. So, and again, that's that's relatively true of every position. Once you get past the third round, there's a giant drop off. There's some variance in there depending on position, but that's more or less it. And then finally, when we look at edge rusher, um, I mean, you know, again, not only is it unlikely because he's a seventh round pick, but again, edge rusher is like quarterback. It's not quite as pronounced, but edge rusher, quarterback, offensive tackle. Again, first round or bust, more or less. However, with edge rusher, here's sort of the pattern. The first four rounds, there's a 
some potential. So if we're, again, if we're looking at the top 32, 17, a little more than half are first-round picks. Six of them are second-round picks. So you figure there's 15 left, right? Out of the top 32, six then, about half, go in the second round. Figure there's, what, 10 left? Four of those 10 go in the third round, and then four of the remaining six go in the fourth round. So they, they get pretty consistently picked off. About 50% go in the first round, the 50% remaining go in the second round, 50% remaining of that go in the third, and then, you know, a large portion of that goes in the fourth round. By the time you get to it, let, let's just put it this way. There are zero fifth-round picks that are top 32 edge rushers. Zero sixth-round picks, one seventh-round pick, and one undrafted free agent. Basically, almost none. Almost zero. And if you talk about better than top 32, you start talking about top 20, it becomes the first three rounds that matter. 13 in the first round, four in the second, only two, actually it's the first two rounds, really, because it's only two in the third round. Bottom line, you got to take them in the first round. That's that's really all there is to it. You got a glimmer of hope in the second, a half a glimmer in the third, a sixteenth of a glimmer in the fourth, and then you're just done. So again, the the uh, the excitement around Jonathan Garvin, and, and that was another thing that I, said, I, don't know, I keep beating up on this Bears guy, but he had said something to the effect of one of the guys that they drafted was a consensus first round player or whatever. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, and Jonathan Garvin was a consensus third round player. But he fell to the seventh, meaning the consensus was wrong, and he's actually a seventh-round player, and he's not going to pan out. The odds that Jonathan Garvin, a seventh-round pick, becomes a top 32 player are very, very, very close to zero. It's not zero, but it's extremely close. Um, Anyways, one more thing I want to do, because we also have undrafted free agents, although I am entirely out of time. Just going through position by position, which ones do you have hope in? not going to go player by player, because I don't care. Again, quarterbacks, zero. Zero quarterbacks are undrafted free agents. Wide receivers, only one in the top 32. Very unlikely. That's a position we generally get very excited about. Oh, we got these wide receivers, and look at this, and try to find a way. Very unlikely. Again, the top wide... I didn't say... I didn't talk about wide receiver, but the top wide receivers go in the first three rounds, and then nothing. It's just a desert after that. Running backs is a, a bit more... There's actually significantly more optimism. Which makes sense, because running backs are extremely hard to scout. Right? I think it's a very basic skill set. And it, I think that's the, the scouts would say it's the opposite. It's the easiest to scout. It's very simple, because there's not much to scout. That's not true. The ability for you to pinpoint which guys are going to be very good starters and which guys are not going to pan out, you're not very good at it. The bottom line is, the first three rounds are the best rounds. There's six in each. There are five undrafted free agents in the top 32. So, decent amount of optimism about undrafted free agents for running backs. For tight ends, um, basically the same. There are six undrafted free agents, same as first, second, and third rounds. So tight ends, undrafted free agent, uh, good amount of optimism. Tackles, again, strangely, a ton. You have to get them in the first round. The second highest amount of top 32 uh, tackles are undrafted free agents. Now, again, the question is why and how does that happen? I don't really know. There might be some extenuating circumstances that if you don't have these extenuating circumstances, they don't have a high probability. I don't know, but it's interesting enough. Guards, very unlikely. Um, Even for centers, relatively unlikely. I mean, it's about as good of a chance as any other round outside of the first two rounds, but there's no real spike there. Defensive tackles are another one. Uh, I didn't mention it, but first round is where you get defensive tackles. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot, and the second highest, tied with the fifth round, is actually undrafted free agency. So if you don't get them in the first round, it's just a roll of the dice, and undrafted free agency is a pretty good spot to grab a few. Edge rusher, as I said, there's almost no chance. Undrafted free agents, there's just nothing. There's there's technically one, but there's, there's nothing there. Linebackers, undrafted free agency is as good as any other round, meaning legitimately we have as good a chance of, of starting an undrafted free agent linebacker as we do starting um, Kamal Martin. Corners, undrafted free agency is a money spot. I'm talking money, and we know this. We've had a lot of really quality corners that were all undrafted free agents. It's such a weird thing, and I don't... Again, this is something that I'd love to look into. There's something here with undrafted free agency. There's an art form to it that I don't know, because it's weird. Cornerbacks. First round is where you get cornerbacks. That's another one, just like edge rusher, tackle, quarterback. 12 of the top 32. It's not that high, but outside of that, it's, it's, it's not like the other ones where it's mostly first round and then 
a little bit more second. And then, no, after the first round, roll the dice. It could be anything. There's three second round picks, four third round picks, zero fourth round picks, one fifth round picks, three sixth round picks, zero seventh round picks. Completely random if you don't get them in the first round. However, nine of the top 32 are undrafted free agents. Here's here's another one. Eight of the top 20. Most of the top 20 cornerbacks are undrafted free agents. There are more top 20 undrafted free agents than there are first-round pick undrafted free agents. Same with top 10. There's more top 10 corners that are undrafted free agents than there are first-round picks. There's four undrafted free agents in the top 10, only three um, first-round picks. If you even look at the top five, two of them are first-round picks, one is a second-round pick, one is a fifth-round pick, one is an undrafted free agent. So undrafted free agent corners, if, if you want a corner and you don't get them in the first round, UDFA is the next guy I'm putting my money on. It's, it's Again, it's a weird thing, and I don't understand it, and I don't know how that happens or why. I mean, what is it about these guys? I mean, is it really that we're just that bad at evaluating? Is corner that hard to evaluate? Or maybe, maybe it's because, again, a lot of a lot of these guys go in the first round, which is so weird because that, that to me, says we're really good at scouting corners. But the fact that there's so many guys that go completely undrafted that end up being very good, I mean... It's hard to even formulate a theory. Maybe it's easy to identify who's going to be an elite corner, right? I mean, in other words, there's there's a certain prototype of a guy that becomes a good corner, and you can kind of identify what those are. But there's also corners that don't have those, that don't meet these standards, that end up being very good, and the NFL has no ability to, to determine who those guys are going to be. That's the only thing I can come up with off the top of my head. And finally, safety is another good spot for undrafted free agents. Um, better than 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. Not better than first through third, though. So, again, UDFAs are, are strange, but it's another one that we just consider throwaways, and they shouldn't be. Outside of the first three rounds, you're more li- more than likely to get some guys out of this pile of undrafted free agents that start. Again, taking into account that there's more of them, still, we, we should look at that and say there's probably some starters in there. So, anyways, I'm way over time. You folks have yourselves a fantastic whatever day it is, Wednesday, I think. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.